afternoon, good morning, and good night. I hope you guys have been having a fantastic time without me. I'm being serious, actually, about that. I hope you guys did have a fantastic time. It's time for the show to come back. Fuent Chat with Johnny Fuent. I know I have been gone for a short hiatus, and I will be talking about my vacation further down the video. But, of course, there's a lot of things that have been happening in video game news, comic news, and even movie news. So, we're going to go ahead and get straight to it and talk about comics. Now, when we last left off talking about Dark Crisis Issue 1, Beast Boy was captured, Deathstroke basically, what, at the end, kind of, sort of, thought to kill him. And it picks up straightly after that left off with Dark Crisis Issue 2, and Beast Boy now has a bullet in his brain. Well, sort of. Deathstroke says he'll live, but probably needs some surgery. But that's going to be very interesting to see where that goes, especially if he has some brain damage. That's going to be an interesting arc for Beast Boy. Anyway, the Titans were definitely not prepared for this type of attack. They're instantly overwhelmed. Almost all of them are captured or beaten down by all the other villains. And Nightwing decides to fight Deathstroke. And Deathstroke puts him up for a 1v1 match with him. Now, in the first round, Nightwing wins. Now, while the other Titans are basically held hostage, for round 2, Deathstroke tells Nightwing to choose one of the other Titans to fight him next. Nightwing refuses and tells Deathstroke to kill him to spare the others. As Deathstroke is about to kill him, he says he is now his favorite Robin and fires the gun. But at the last second, John Kent shows up and he is mad. And I don't blame him, honestly. He is absolutely livid. And the art for it, just the reaction, it's just amazing. You can tell through the fiery red glowing eyes that he is about to beat some people down. Anyway, you think they'd have the upper hand, but you know, Slade is Slade and he is definitely prepared. So that's why he had Cyborg Superman just pop in and fight John. Now, in a surprisingly turn of events, John is much stronger than Cyborg Superman and gets the upper hand and sends the villains running. Deathstroke is like, nope, we gotta run. This is not how this is going and something worse is popping up, which it does. Black Adam shows up and basically berates both John Kent and Nightwing for not handling the situation better. He even says he was wrong to thinking that Nightwing should lead the league and says that he should, Black Adam should basically lead the Justice League, which would be interesting because it would kind of make sense. Black Adam has fought the Justice League before, is now part of the Justice League, and is kind of the most logical person and the most experienced leader being alive for thousands of years. And he has a point to be honest. Now, one thing that was interesting was Black Adam revealed, because John asked him why he didn't show up sooner, was that Slade attacked multiple places at once, which suggests that Slade has an endgame. There's a reason why he attacked multiple places. I'm curious to see what other hero groups basically got swept up and what's going to happen now. Now, the ending leaves a lot of things open and in a good way. And I'm excited to see what comes next, because with the Flash family out doing something, the reveal that the Justice League isn't dead, they're actually stuck in a dream world, was very, was actually pretty, I mean, predictable. Let's be honest, the Justice League was not going to stay dead, and whoever trapped them in a dream world is going to uh, have some problems, because Aquaman was the first one to wake up, and he was mad. And God knows what the others are dreaming about. Oof. If they, they take inspiration from that Justice League episode where Superman was living his best life and then just gets ripped away from him. Ooh. Superman mad, especially that type of mad, is not good for anybody. <laughs> I mean, God, Mongo learned that the hard way. Anyway, sticking to DC... 
This is interesting, and I gotta say, this is a first. So DC has DC versus Vampires, Coffin Edition, Issue 1, and Crypt Edition, Issue 1. And they're both available. And I didn't really know what the difference was. Because it's like, okay, they're both different names. They're both saying Issue 1. So does this mean that one is a side story? Kind of like how Deceased had the Deceased series... They had the um, New World, the Unkillables. I was like, is that what this is? No. Turns out that the Coffin issue is issues one through three, and the Crypt is four through six. Why? No idea. Don't know why. Don't know why both of them have an issue one in front of their name, since they're basically a continuation and I, I, I guess someone was like, you know what? Let's name them this. Maybe people will buy it and just whatever. Either way, if you want to read DC Fighting Vampires, it's a good story. Honestly, it's very convoluted and they nerf a lot of the people's powers, especially the Flash. He should not have been taken out like that. That was just wrong. And I, I don't know. I really don't know why some of the heroes are like, oh, we're now vampires. We're the bad guys now. Honestly, a lot of them, especially with the feats they have, should not have fell that easily. Anyway, the one thing I also have a problem about the story is the fact that it says it's DC versus vampires, where a majority of the story was basically the Bat family and Batman. I will say this. It's not as good as Deceased, like I said before, but it's a great story if you want something to read and it's not continuous. So it, if like if you haven't read any of the other comics, you're like, oh my god, I have to read that before this. No, it's its own standalone story and it's a good read. Anyway, moving on. So on the Marvel side, AX Eve. AXE, Eve of Judgment, is coming out, or has released. Now, this is a prelude on what is to come on the upcoming Mutants uh, versus Eternals with the Avengers in the background basically paying the the ref. Like, alright, guys, calm down and all that stuff. So, it basically starts out with Druig, who is an Eternal. And if you're trying to figure out who the heck is Druig... If you watch the uh, Eternals movie, he's the basically the dude with the cult, the cult leader who can control people. Anyway, uh, he in the comic book version usually plays the villains. Now, he wants to destroy the mutants because he sees them as a variant of the Deviants, who, if you watch the movie, knows they're basically the enemies of the Eternals. Uh, he decides, with the help of someone, to drop an antimatter bomb on the island of Croica. The Island of the Mutants. Yeah, no, they just decide to just jump in on this easily. Now, a lot of these characters, I was very kind of like, I have no idea who this is. I'll have to look up who this is. Because I'm not really kept up with Eternals comics. They're kind of convoluted and their own thing. So, some of this stuff I don't even know about. And I actually have no idea where to start. Anyway, the Antimatter Bomb, which would kill anything and everything, uh, they basically want to drop it on them. And considering that they don't have resurrecting stuff on Mars, the mutants, uh, that would severely weaken the mutants because they are basically immortal. Every time they die, they just put them in a new body and all that stuff. So death isn't really a thing. And they begin to talk about how Druig is trying to recruit others, but don't succeed, especially with Fastos. Now, if you don't remember who Fastos is, he is the uh, black dude in the movie, the one with uh, the kid, the the engineer dude. Anyway, he leaves saying that he doesn't want to be a part of this, and it's revealed that Druig has captured Mr. Sinister and is going to try to study him to adapt their tactics. How? No idea. I'm actually curious to see how the heck they captured Mr. Sinister, considering he's not the easiest person to fight. Shoot, he's given the X-Men a run for his money. Anyway, they attempt to use the bomb, but something goes wrong. It begins to activate early and starts hurting Druig. Uh, He ends up shutting it off, and they attempt not to drop the bomb, just in case it does go off early, and basically screws both sides over. Instead... He goes to Uranus, 
who is Thanos' uncle for help, and who's been alive for centuries. Also, uh, during this time, Cersei and Athena are with Fastos, and they're trying to make friends with the Deviants, who aren't really that bad, as you saw in the movie, how the Celestial was manipulating the entire situation and all that stuff. Uh, Like I said before, I really don't keep up with Eternal Comics. This will probably be the first time, just because I want to get into uh, the whole X-Men versus Eternals. And for those of you who don't know, I am Team X-Men, all the way. Anyway, nothing really happens action-wise. It does a great job on setting things up on the Eternal side. And I would really appreciate it if they do have some background for a lot of these guys, since... Like I said, Eternal Comics haven't been really popular. And I am interesting, interested to see where this goes. A lot of times when I've seen the Eternals, they're usually tagged with other heroes. I'm very curious to see who will issue the attack and how the response is, especially with the Avengers. Because I'm really hoping that the Avengers help out the X-Men, considering their relationship is better than the Eternals ones. And it should be interesting considering that in the comic, it shows that it's peaceful right now. The Avengers are hanging out. The X-Men are relaxing, which is rare. So I am very interested to see who screws up their vacation and gets a can of just Iron Man, Cyclops, Wolverine, and all that stuff. Anyway, uh, that was the prelude. And we won't get anything updated until probably August or September, so looking forward to that. Anyway, we're going to go ahead and talk about Amazing Spider-Man issue 5. Oh my god. (laughs) So this one takes place where the last issue left off, with Spider-Man realizing that Rose was really Rose and Tombstone tricked him. Uh, One of Rose's goons come in and talks about how he's dead because he didn't stop Spider-Man or jumped into the fight. I don't remember what this guy's name is, but he he's a superhuman, so he's, like, very tough. Uh, so Spider-Man tells him, hey, I know where one of Tombstone's warehouses are where you can destroy his stuff and basically not get killed because you can tell the Rose, hey, while you guys are getting beat up, I was destroying a warehouse, blah, blah, blah. So it looks like he actually was doing something. Uh, Tombstone says basically goodbye to his daughter, a new future son-in-law, and Spider-Man shows up and they both talk, and uh, Tombstone, in Tombstone fashion, thanks him for helping him out. He talks about how he is Spider-Man's best chance on getting rid of major crime, if he is top boss around. And he brings up some interesting points. Spider-Man tells Tombstone that that this isn't over and he will get him. And during that exact moment, Tombstone gets a call about the warehouse being raided and destroyed. Spider-Man tells them that they're even, and he leaves. He also talks to Black Cat, and at the end of the comic, he basically makes up with Aunt May, who we still don't know why everybody, including her, is mad at Peter in the first place. Now, this is a good read. It was great to see the aftermath of that entire situation, but it's still kind of weighed down with the whole Peter Parker life is going downhill which they always do anyway uh, this actually leads up to what's going to be happening further with the gang war because now you have Hammerhead who's going to be involved next issue and it should be interesting and I can't wait to see where this all goes with the gang war and who else might get involved because with this being across New York who knows what other street heroes might pop up I'm hoping Luke Cage but Who knows? Anyway, that was issue five, and I really hope they explain this whole Mary Jane, Peter Parker situation, because my god, it's getting annoying. Anyway, continuing with uh, Daredevil, Daredevil issue one, his new series popped up, and he is basically in the issue, leaving New York. He informs Luke Cage and Danny that he's leaving and going to be Daredevil full-time. They're both kind of weary of this because... Since Matt Murdock, his persona, kept him grounded, being Daredevil full-time might hinder him. And I don't blame them for thinking that, because it has in the past, where him trying to be Daredevil full-time has never really worked out. And funny enough, he is actually going to be in charge of the Fist. Yep, 
You heard me. The Fist. Who is The Fist, you may ask? They are basically a splinter organization of the hand. That's goal is to destroy the hand. You know, it's kind of funny. I mean, between the fist and the hand, the TMNT villains calling themselves the foot doesn't seem that far-fetched since I guess every ninja organization has to do with a limb. Anyway, besides that, um, it's going to be a lot interesting since their goal is to destroy the hand. And as we previously mentioned, the hand is being led by Punisher. So it's going to be kind of, uh, like I said, interesting to see Daredevil react to Punisher being the forefront of the hand and them trying to destroy each other. Also, one thing I'm actually looking forward to is seeing if that's going to be the realization in issue two or they're going to try to build up to it where Daredevil doesn't even know that Frank Castle is involved. I cannot wait for this whole fight. That's going to be really cool. And from, I haven't read Punisher issue two, but I heard he does get a power up, which should be definitely interesting. Anyway, uh, besides that, that's about it for the comics. So we're going to go ahead and talk about TV shows. Now, over the past two weeks, I was in Copenhagen and a few other countries. And when I was in Copenhagen, I was able to see Stranger Things and the last two episodes. And I'm not going to toot my own horn, but I called it when I said Max was going to die. Oh, yeah. Spoilers. I mean, not spoilers. It's been two weeks. Anyway. Yep. Max died. And I called it. But anyway, uh, the entire two episodes were epic from start to finish, especially the last episode. Vecna was a fantastic and is a fantastic villain, and revealing that he has been the big baddie all this time was a great twist. I mean, before we thought he was a general. We were like, oh god, who's coming after Vecna? Who's going to be more powerful? And it turns out, no one. He is the most powerful person there. And because we know who the villain will be for season five and the boundaries with the upside down being broken, it's going to be interesting to see how they fight him because he's like 11. He can kill them with a thought. So they can't really go full on battalion and go a fr- full frontal assault because they're all going to die. If, if, if 11 can take down a helicopter with a thought and drugged, forget it. Vecna's just going to destroy all of them. And one thing also that I actually thought was heartbreaking was the conversation between Mike and Will. The actor who plays Will is did a fantastic job. And the actor also revealed that the character is gay and is in love with Mike. And if you watch the show, it's kind of obvious to see. And you kind of figure out that you, you honestly figure it out. Before, but even more so during the car ride where Mike and Will are talking and it's just, like I said, it's heartbreaking. The writers are definitely doing a fantastic job handling the stuff very well. And it just gives you a picture to see how someone in the 80s at that age would be very confused and it wouldn't be easy to talk about. One thing I'm also impressed about is Jonathan stepping up and being a fantastic big brother. Now, one thing I also want to talk about is Eleven and how she finally ended her relationship with her father. That was crazy, especially after the father drugged her after like saying, yeah, we're going to agree to let you go and then drug her, lock her and stuff like that. And he was basically the reason why the bunker fell, because if it wasn't for sedating Eleven, all those people would not have died. And honestly, I'm not sad that he died at all. Nope. He definitely deserved it after all the stuff he put everybody through. Anyway, another thing that was cool was Eddie. Okay, Eddie, I'm I'm just going to say this right now. I was mad that he died. He was such, such a fan favorite character. And I'm like, why does he have to die? Bring him back for season five. Really, just reveal that he's not dead. He was one of the best characters. And I 
just was mad how even after all that, he was still the suspect of the murders. And because of Jason Carver, who (laughs) I gotta say, there are very few people who I hate in franchises who I hate more than the actual villain. And he takes the cake for that. I mean, well, okay, maybe not the cake, but he's up there. Uh, The other one who takes the cake will always be Umbridge from Harry Potter and how I hate her more than Voldemort. Anyway, besides that, um, it's kind of interesting because he's basically in, he's basically the whole Stephen King, the church kid gone crazy. And he is the reason why Max died in the first place. Because if it wasn't for him, they would have been able to put the headphones on, been able to get her out, and they would have been fine. But no, he had to step in. He had to pull a gun. He, mm, yep, yep, I, I really really made me angry anyway i i gotta say it was satisfying and i was cheering uh a little too loudly for the hotel uh for lucas when he was kicking his ass honestly i love that and his death was so nonchalant and insignificant in a blink it was beautiful you blinked he was dead already dead like nothing over the top nothing just dead loved it And I got to give credit when credit is due. The actor who played Jason did a great job playing a character that would be hated. Not because it was a bad actor, just because the character itself. Fantastic job. Now, another great uh, relationship throughout this entire series was basically uh, Robin, Steve, and Nancy. And especially in the Upside Down. It's crazy how well they got along, especially with Nancy and Robin's personalities being very different. And Steve and Nancy, I was very convinced, even with Jonathan back, that they're going to get back together. Especially with season five. Especially after Steve said that he his dream of having six kids uh, traveling the road was with Nancy. And it's just incredible. I really hope Steve gets his happy ending. I really do, because he deserves it. Out of all the characters, he definitely deserves some type of happy ending, because he's kind of getting screwed over every season at the end. And one thing I got to say is he is a great friend. Because at the end, with Robin finally getting with the girl, he's just smiling. He's happy. He doesn't care that he hasn't gotten the girl. He is so happy for his friend. And he is one of the best character examples of a character evolving, basically. From being a terrible character in season one to being the most loved and basically the babysitter, it's just fantastic. And if he is killed, I'm going to riot. He definitely deserves to be protected. And I swear, if they kill him, I'm I'm actually going to be mad. And I'm actually rooting for Team, uh, what's my call this? Team Steve. Screw Team Jonathan, I'm forced T-Steve. Let's get that going. Anyway, uh, one thing I also want to say is the actor who played Lucas was phenomenal for the part where he's basically holding Max in his arms when she died. That was emotional. That, especially when he was calling out for his sister, was extremely heartbreaking. And I really hope to see big things from the actor. Another one was Dustin. And another another amazing character arc, especially when he was trying to protect his friends and even more so how I was impressed with how he basically climbed back from the upside down in attempt to save Eddie. But of course, he didn't get there in time and he res- and I basically respected him, especially after he went to the uncle and brought closure to him. He was basically and basically said Eddie was a hero and I agree with that. And Max, another amazing character. Oh my god. When she went to face Vecna again, I was impressed. Especially when you realize, when she was talking and then Lucas was saying stuff. And you're like, wait, why is he saying that? And you realize, yep, she's dragged back in. The ending, when Eleven brought her back and it shows she was in a coma. It, it just shocked me. Especially after I realized after Eleven tried to go in and look for her in her mind and couldn't find her. Probably means she's most likely with Vecna trapped. And if season five is about finding her, trying to locate 
her and through Vecna or even tr- like her spirits trapped in the upside down. That's going to be kind of cool. Uh, and how can I forget one of the best scenes throughout this entire two episodes? The guitar song, the solo of the Metallica song. I was impressed by the actor that he was able to play the song with his guitar. Now, I will say this. Of course, uh, another person came in to play uh, the harder solo parts because he was still a little inexperienced. But the fact that he was able to play most of it was impressive. Uh, One thing I was also was the Russia part was cool. Seeing Hopper and Joyce back together teaming up to take down the Demo Dogs and the Demo Gorgon was kind of cool. And the upside down coming to the real world is definitely going to be interesting to see how it shapes season five, especially now since the parents are going to get involved. I mean, heck, especially Mike's parents. Shoot, they've been out of the loop, out of action for all the seasons. And for them having to do something about it now that the creatures are coming, especially Mike's father, it is definitely going to be a fun time. Oh, I cannot wait for that reaction. And one thing that kind of sucks is we have to look, we can't watch it until 2024. So it's going to be another couple years. And I still am calling it that season five will be based on evil dead. Just saying Uh, overall, I'll give season four a fantastic 10 out of 10 really great job. And I look forward to see what season five is going to be about. And RJ, if you're listening to this, watch stranger things. Now, anyway, another fantastic series that ended was The Boys, the final episode. Wow. I gotta say, that was utterly unpredictable. Uh, I will say this, I did appreciate how Butcher, because I was very unsure on how he was gonna take care of Huey after it was revealed that, hey, these things will make you die. Don't take that. Don't do anything. If you take another dose of the temp V, you'll die. And instead of telling Huey, he knocks him out and just leaves him there. And I guess for Butcher, it was easier for him because I guess even after that whole thing, he would have still tried to leave with Soldier Boy and still attempted to take the temp V. And one thing also was how Maeve was able to escape after being captured was great. And even after being somewhat sedated, she just broke everything out. Uh, one thing that was kind of scary was Homelander getting his son back and his son accepting who he was. Yeah, that doesn't sound like Brightburn at all. I kind of saw it coming, though, especially after Butcher kind of lashed out at the kid and blamed him for his wife's death. Yeah, not one of Butcher's greatest moments. I'll say this, Huey and Starlight's conversation was funny, especially after he was like, just go ahead and I said I told you so, and she just laid it on him. Uh, one thing I'll say about this season is how Soldier Boy was is one of the best characters here, and actually was one of the few people who actually kept his word and fought Homelander, especially after learning that he was his son. Oh my god, another sad part was the fact that Noor dying. That was sad. Character didn't speak, but you felt the feels. Uh, A train being shunned by his family was well-deserved. He definitely doesn't deserve some type of happy ending. And they're right, he is selfish. Uh, I will say this, uh, the team going to stop Butcher, Maeve, and Soldier Boy was very interesting. Especially when the team split. I will say this, Butcher teaming up with Homelander to save Ryan was kind of interesting. And it kind of showed how terrifyingly strong Soldier Boy is and how strong Maeve was to hold her own against Homelander, even for a few minutes. Uh, one thing also was the fact that, of course, she lost an eye, but she was able to injure him permanently by uh, hurting his ear. That is definitely going to help the boys later on, since he now probably can't ear, hear, oh my god, I can't speak, through one ear. Uh, One thing I'll say is when they took down Soldier Boy, M.M. made a comment about taking down another racist. I don't think that was really earned at all throughout this season because it really, I mean, throughout the season, it really didn't show Soldier Boy being racist at all. 
I kind of felt like that line was forced and was like, all right, let's give M.M. something cool to say. Because like I said, I mean, throughout the entire thing, nothing really said, oh, yeah, he's racist. I mean, the only other time he talked about anything was just talking about his stories, talking about this, talking about that. Heck, the funniest thing he talked about was talking about how uh, Bill Cosby was a real man's man and how strong his drinks were. That was hilarious. I couldn't stop laughing. Uh, one thing that kind of surprised me was Maeve sacrificing herself to stop Soldier Boy from exploding was great. And how she's now depowered, her arc is done, she's leaving, and it's, that's it for Queen Maeve. I was kind of sad about that because it was like she was one of the best characters. Especially with how everything happened, how she evolved. I'm curious to see if she won't come back even for a camo position or like, hey... Here's something you guys may not know, and here's the information about it. One thing I will say that kind of scared me was the fact that the crowd at the end was cheering, especially M- uh, the stepfather for M.M.'s kid, after Homelander killed a dude. They cheered. They didn't care. And the kid at the end, smiling? Yeah, that's kind of scary. That's really kind of scary. Also, I want to say that I want M.M. to kick his uh, daughter's stepfather's butt really well. And I hope that's a thing in season four. Uh, Anyway, uh, Butcher, one thing that was kind of revealed, and it's going to be interesting how this works in the story, was revealing that Butcher only has months to live thanks to basically the continuously injection of Temp V. I'm looking forward to season four. And I'm wondering if he's going to take some type of permanent V so he won't die. Honestly, that's the only thing that I can think that can save him unless they pull a Hail Mary. And I'm going to give this uh, season a 10 out of 10 because it kept me on my toes, especially with um, Herogasm and all that stuff. Anyway, another thing to talk about is anime. So, we are in the second half of summer, so the summer to fall lineup has started, and I'm looking forward to see what new anime is going to be premiering, and one of my favorite animes is back, it's called Overlord, if you haven't watched it, definitely recommend it. Uh, I am technically going to be waiting to watch it, because I watched it when the dub was out, and the dub for Overlord is phenomenal, loved it, and I can't really watch the subbed because it's not going to be the same in my head. The only other show I've watched dubbed and subbed is Ti- Attack on Titan, Dragon Ball, and Naruto. Those are really... Okay, that's not... Well, yeah, those are the only shows. Uh, the only time I've seen One Piece was when it was subbed, so I can't really mention that one. But I'm looking forward to see what the uh, lineup for anime is, and hopefully it is great, because if it's just going to be Overlord that's good, I'm going to be very sad. Anyway, we're going to be talking about another TV show that dropped. And my God, can anyone get this adaptation right? Resident Evil. I I, I don't know anymore. I, I feel like nobody can take this franchise and properly adapt it. Because the writing in the show, oh my God, I'm on episode four and it's lazy. There's unnecessary drama that makes you want to claw your eyes out. And after doing a little research, I found out that one of the writers is from the freaking CW, which makes a whole lot of sense once you watch the show. And I guess they were like, you know what? I'm going to bring all the cliche tropes from most CW shows and just put it into this one and convince everybody else. Be like, oh yeah, this is why the CW is popular when it's not really, especially when it comes to quality shows. Drama should not be one of the main things in a Resident Evil show. It should be action, suspense, story, not drama, not at all. Very little, if any. And it's kind of crazy because it's like you have all the setup from the video games, from the lore, from the books. And it's like, how do you mess that up? Really? I'll say this, the makeup effects are a lot better than the movie that came out last year, but it's not a good thing when the movie is better than the freaking TV show. You look at Rotten Tomatoes, that thing is lower, the audience score is lower than the critics. And that's saying something. Uh, One thing I'll say about 
the show, and it's a good thing, is Lance Riddick. His acting is the only, one of the only saving graces about this entire thing. And I really feel sorry that he's in the show because he is a fantastic actor. And it's kind of a shame for his talents to be wasted on this. Also, one thing that is, I just, I don't know. Honestly, I think people overthink this franchise. And it's so simple. It's really so simple. And it's crazy how people try to take it and be like, oh yeah, the zombies are everywhere. They've taken over the world where that's not what Resident Evil is about. Resident Evil games take place in isolated areas. Whether they be in a city, an entire village, or this entire area. They're not like, oh my god, the zombies have broken out. They're running through Europe. They're running through Africa. None of that. They're always isolated instances, and they're different each time, which makes it interesting. That's why I love the games. Heck, if you compare uh, 7 to 8 with the monsters and all that stuff, it's different. I would love a Resident Evil adaptation where someone is trapped. They have to get the weapons. They have to get this. They have to get that. Trying to figure out what's going on, and everything's isolated. Everything is scary. That's what everyone loved about the Resident Evil stuff. Don't go straight to the action stuff because that's not where Resident Evil first began. It was a horror game. That's what we need to go back to. And you know what? If you really want to watch a Resident Evil movie right, that isn't really a Resident Evil movie, I recommend the movie Overlord. Uh, came out back in 2018. It's a J.J. Abrams film, but it's more akin to Resident Evil than any of the movies and now any of the TV shows. Anyway, uh, moving on, kind of going back to The Boys, uh, I want to talk about the spinoff. Yes, there is a spinoff of The Boys, and it's going to be called Generation V. It's going to be kind of taking place uh, in a college run by Vought, and will follow these young adults as they push through their limits, morally, physically, mentally, and everything else that Vought can throw at them. And it's going to be taking place in the same universe, obviously, but it's going to coincide with the boys, which makes sense. And this could show who Homelander chooses to replace most of the seven, because most of his team members are basically dead or left. And the only people who are left are the Deep, who, let's be honest, isn't the brightest or the best person on the team, and is probably the most hated, and A-Train. And since Homelander can basically do whatever he wants now... It's going to be interesting to see who he chooses to be on the team. Especially since he's basically like, yep, I want this person, this person, and he's going to basically make sure he can trust them 100%. Next, I want to talk about Miss Marvel. I honestly, I kind of feel very bad for this show. It really was overshadowed by better shows like The Boys, Stranger Things, and Obi-Wan during its first couple weeks. And it kind of sucks. Because if it wasn't for those shows. It might have gotten a bigger attention. And better attention than what it had been. Because I mean honestly. If I had the choice to switch this show for another. It would have been Moon Knight. Because I think Moon Knight would have been able to handle its own. But not Miss Marvel. Uh, another thing also that they changed is Miss Marvel is no longer an inhuman and is now a mutant, which was kind of dumb. But I guess they wanted to introduce the mutant somehow, and they're not going to go the whole inhuman route because, yeah, the last time they tried that stunt, it didn't go well at all. Uh, the twist with Captain Marvel showing up at the end was interesting. I I just, I don't know. The show kind of dragged, and it felt like it didn't find its footing until it was too late. And I want to mention that it did have some good parts. Um, I really do think that, if anything, they should have pushed this show further to when the Marvels uh, come up. So we're able to get a better grip and be more excited for the Marvels movie. But I mean, I uh, to each their own. I guess Marvel knows what they're doing. And I'm just hoping that in the Marvels, the writing is better and it makes Captain Marvel a lot more likable character. Because honestly, the one thing that kind of sucks is that Captain Marvel isn't really well liked in the MCU uh, fan community at all. It's just bland. 
Uh, and the only thing she seems to be doing is making cameos, um, only showing up for team ups, which is not really a good thing because they tried to make her the face of the MCU, which really didn't work because no one really liked her at all. Uh, maybe it was just the actress. I mean, probably it's mostly the actress, but still, uh, a lot of people are super, uh, are super excited for other characters, even more so to be the face of the MCU. I mean, Doctor Strange or even Spider-Man. Those are probably the uh, characters that will be the face of the MCU instead of Captain Marvel. I'm just hoping they're able to change that. Like I said, make her more likable in the new Marvel's movie. But if they can't, she's only going to probably show up for like the big fights, the big bad and just whatever. Which is kind of sad because a powerful character like her or how they basically made her the one of the most powerful characters. Uh, her just showing up for whatever is not that great. I'm curious to see who the villains will be in the Captain Marvel movie. Uh, I'm hoping it's Gladiator because that would be kind of cool introducing them. But who knows? Uh, we'll see and hope for the best because I, I got no idea what's going to happen with that. Anyway, we're going to be moving on to Lord of the Rings, the TV show trailer that dropped. And I got to say, they should have just dropped this trailer instead of that teaser. Because, oh my god, the just the cinematography looked fantastic. The areas impressed you. It didn't look CGI like it did in The Hobbit. I It just made me excited. It, just the villains, the locations, the story... And I get it, there's some hardcore fans that are like, oh, why did they do this? Why did they change this? Why did they give dwarven women, like, less beards and stuff like that? Honestly, I get it. They had to take some liberties with some of the stuff, but hopefully it's good. If not, I am never going to hear the end of it from my friends who are big Lord of the Rings fans. Anyway, we're going to move on from TV shows and talk about movies. Now, I'm going to stress that uh, this is going to be a non-spoiler review of Love and Thunder. And I got to say, I actually liked the movie. It was actually pretty good. Now, it could have been better. The writing was okay. And some of the jokes were meh compared to Ragnarok. But overall, I actually enjoyed it. I really liked gore. And of course, Christian Bale definitely brings gore to the table. His performance was amazing. And I agree with critics that he was definitely underutilized. I don't know if it was because of the runtime or anything like that, but it would have been great to see a lot more than him. And I gotta say, the camera work in the movie was amazing, especially when it switched to black and white. That was actually kind of cool. And I did appreciate the mention of the other gods, and I can't wait to see how all that affects the future of the MCU, and who the actual big bad is, because they said in phase 5, we're actually going to see everything coming together, which will be kind of cool. Anyway, uh, I can't wait for it to uh, finally come to contact, especially with the end uh, credit scene at Love and Thunder, so... I'm going to have to give this film a about 7 out of 10. Honestly, I enjoyed it. If you didn't, I understand why. Uh, I honestly can't wait to see what happens next. And I will probably be dropping my spoiler review of the film either next week or the week after. I'll let you guys know so you can skip ahead if you don't want to be spoiled. Anyway, another movie coming out is Jamie Foxx's new movie with Snoop Dogg and Dave Franco called Day Shift. Now, from the trailer, it is going to be vampire hunters killing vampires. It looks crazy. It looks like a film you just want to sit down, relax, mindless uh, violence, and just great graphics. The trailer really blew me away in the first 30 seconds, and I can't wait to see how it plays out. I am a fan of Jamie Foxx, and with Snoop Dogg being there, it's going to be hilarious, and I'm going to be here for it. Another trailer that dropped is Orphan's First Kill, which is a prequel to the Orphan movie that came out like over 10 years ago. And I got to give the actress credit. She's playing the same character she did 10 years ago. Now, of course, she does look older than what it is. And it being a prequel is kind of weird having the same actress would honestly but have been probably made sense to cast a younger person. But because she still looks young, not as young as she did like 10 years ago, but still young. Uh, they probably can pull it off with the makeup and everything. 
I'm looking forward to the movie because Orphan was actually one of the movies that I decided to watch out of the blue and was very much impressed. There's nothing supernatural about it. You basically know the twist and the fact that it's a prequel, you know she won. So I'm curious to see how, how she wins. Uh, look, Like I said, looking forward to the movie and can't wait to see it. Another movie coming out with Viola Davis is called The Woman King. Now that looks amazing. And I want to apologize if I screw up the name. It's the it's a story about the Algoje. Um, again, I apologize if I'm screwing it up. It's they're basically the African Amazons, and I'm very curious to see if the film is going to be talking about their tragedy. So, if you know a little bit about uh, history, especially with the French and the African history. If you're wondering why I know that I took Western Civ and was one of the only few things that they taught us that I remember was the fact that uh, when they attacked the French, they went to two wars with them. And while in the first war, they were impressed with the skill and the tenacity of these women of a f- only women army, the French still won. And in the second war with the French, they were basically wiped out. There was very little left. Uh, The kingdom got taken over by the French and basically became a French colony. So whether or not this is going to kind of go the same, uh, like same thing like Braveheart, where you're rooting for them, but they still lose. Who knows? If they do, that'll be great. I'm very interested to see this movie and their take on this period of history. Like I said, if you don't know the story i would definitely recommend the read especially if you're a history buff there's a lot of history between the uh when the french were in africa in the i want to say 1800s to early 1900s anyway moving on uh we are actually going to be getting a teenage mutant ninja turtles animated movie based on the recent uh adaptation from uh, nickelodeon now, I really didn't get into the Nickelodeon show, uh, but the animation was really great. It was very smooth, and the movie really makes me want to watch the the movie. The trailer was amazing, and it seems like it's going to be a lot darker than what the TV show originally was, and I'm here for it. Can't wait to see it, and hopefully it's great, and hopefully it holds us over until um, Seth Rogen next live action, or is it animated? One of the other uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movies. Uh, hopefully it's great. Hopefully it's better than the... Uh, oh my god, what's the director's name? Oh my god, he's known for explosions. He did the last two Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movies. But anyway, it's it's watch. It's going to come to me. I'm going to remember. I'm going to be like, wow, I can't believe I forgot his name. Anyway, we're going to move on to video games. Now, I got to say, uh, Ragnarok. Finally releasing a trailer for the release date. I am super excited for it coming out in November. Now, how hyped you say I am? As soon as I heard pre-orders were going, I went to pre-order uh, one of the box editions. Now, of course, the Jotunheim edition was already taken. So I went for the next best thing and purchased the collector's edition from Best Buy. And so that means I'm going to get the Dwarven Dice, Thor's Hammer... A few other goodies. Of course, it's gonna not going to come with a disc version, but a digital version. And, oh my god, this is actually one of the first uh, collector's edition uh, that I've actually bought for a video game. I will say this, that I did pre-order one for The Last of Us 2. But this was back in 2020 when they were talking about delays. And I was really excited for the game. Before stuff happened. Anyway, uh, I was excited for the game and didn't want the ship. I didn't want to be did anything to be delayed because of COVID. So I went ahead and canceled it. I went ahead and got the um, digital stuff. And I basically played it day one because, like I said, I didn't want to wait. I really didn't. And with everything that was happening in 2020, I needed the distraction. So, I mean, again, I uh, God of War will be the first one. And I am looking forward to playing this game. Anyway, uh, moving on from uh, God of War, we're going to be talking about Hot Wheels. And Hot Wheels is getting an expansion that will give them access, all players, to a new map, cars, and some wacky stuff inspired by the freaking Looney Tunes. 
And it looks kind of cool. Like everybody, not everybody, but most of the popular ones get their own car. Wiley, Marvin the Martian, Daffy, Bugs, and all that stuff. And I'm looking forward to it. Honestly, Hot Wheels seems like a lot of fun. And I'm glad the franchise is getting the respect that it deserves, especially in the video game stuff. Now, another thing happening is Skate. Now, Skate was revealed, to my surprise, to be free to play. Which is great, and I again, I was surprised by this by the company behind it, which is EA. They said there's not going to be any loot boxes, no uh, pay-to-win stuff. And, I mean, I, the only loot boxes or whatever I see them, it would be cosmetic, which is fine, because it doesn't affect the gameplay. Uh, if someone wants to pay for, like, uh, their character to look cool with some extra stuff, I mean, that's fine. That's extra stuff. That's not like, oh, my God, you can't unlock this map because it's behind a paywall. And it's, like, not even the completed game. No. It's going to be the completed game, and honestly... I guess EA is trying to get a good foot in the door after the whole Battlefield fiasco. And this is a good step. I'm actually looking forward to playing this game. I got a friend who's obsessed with Skate and has been nagging about when is Skate going to come out? When is Skate going to come out? So I'm excited for this and I'll definitely give it a try. Moving on to uh, companies. Yeah, uh, we're going to be talking about Ubisoft. and And I don't know what's happening over there, honestly. At Ubisoft, I guess they're trying to become the new EA because they're releasing a mobile version of the division, which is free to play. But of course, knowing Ubisoft, it's going to have microtransactions through the wall. And the amount of microtransactions I can only imagine would even make the EA board members and their CEO proud. And it's kind of disappointing because... Ubisoft used to be a fantastic company. They used to have great games that were complete, that weren't overcomplicated. I mean, heck, they're the they're the franchise between behind Assassin's Creed. And when it comes to the Assassin's Creed games, I really hope that it goes to what it was before Origins, because I really don't want to grind freaking ten hours just to kill something that should already automatically die for a sword. I miss those games. I miss the fact that you didn't need to grind. That, okay, you may need to get, like, better armor to protect you from more well-equipped people. But it wasn't, like, a freaking grind quest where you had to grind, like, oh, my God, you're level 2, but you have a sword. You stab someone through the neck, but they're level 25. They're not dying. Like, that shouldn't be a thing. I should be able to go in and insta-kill, but because... Uh, And if there's a reason I die, it's because I don't have certain skills or it's the fact that, yeah, I'm getting overwhelmed and I haven't unlocked a skill to help me work with too many enemies. Honestly, I'm very disappointed in Ubisoft and I hope they definitely get better because if they don't, they're just going to become another EA and nobody wants that at all. Anyway, we're going to go ahead and move away from... um, video games and we're actually going to be talking about my Europe trip now one thing I want to talk about is that I kind of miss this when I was gone just missing talking to you guys just missing doing the podcast but my experience in Europe was fantastic for the couple weeks I was gone now I want to talk about Copenhagen because this is kind of funny when I before I got to Copenhagen I had to book my hotel and I kept racking my head on why everything was super expensive like it cost me like nearly $700 for a hotel to, for like basically for 3 nights two uh, no 3 days 2 nights and it was I was like telling myself why is it super expensive why is it costing me this much it wasn't until I got there and even with the taxi driver driver trying to tell me and I mean he didn't speak that much English so it kept going with bicycle bicycle and I'm like why the heck is he telling me bicycle and I found out that it was tour freaking de France if you know what if you don't know what tour de France is it's Europe's biggest event where they have a bunch of bicyclists uh go through a certain areas look it up it's huge it's basically uh on the same rank as football like uh, American football over there and soccer football. It's that high up the chain. And I didn't even know about it because of course, I mean, it's bicycling what American kid does, unless you're like really into it. 
So that was kind of funny to realize. And I got to be there for Tour de France uh, the first couple of days. It was pretty cool to witness, honestly. Definitely would recommend it. Anyway, uh, one thing that was kind of cool was the hotel. And I was very surprised to find out that the hotel I was staying in, the Hotel Kong Arthur, was near the route, was, what, two minutes away from where the cyclists were going to be? It was kind of cool. One thing I want to talk about is the air there is super fresh. Fresher than anything I've had here, and the food was even better. Now, one thing I want to talk about is in Europe, their food is a lot fresher than it is here. And the reason because of that is they have more restrictions on the chemicals that can be put into food. And it's not saturated with sugar and fat and none of that stuff. It's more natural. If you take a uh, bag of M&Ms you bought from Europe and uh, M&Ms you bought from America and compare the two, you're going to notice a lot less ingredients in that. One thing I loved that I got over there also was the gelato and the kebabs. Really great. Now, when I was in uh, Copenhagen, I went ahead and went to the zoo because honestly, with Tour de France, a lot of the stuff was kind of blocked out. So the zoo was the next best thing. And I was only there for about two days. And they had a kangaroo enclosure where you can walk with the kangaroos. And the only thing that separates you is a thin, short rope. The reason why they had that was because they knew nobody was going to be dumb enough to go over there and try to freaking hug the kangaroos. Yeah, except probably Americans. The only people I can picture, especially like you're for a part of PETA or something. Anyway, the one thing also was the animals were very clean and the zoo didn't smell. The zoo was really big and I enjoyed the time with the animals. Uh, one of the biggest things I loved about the zoo was seeing the pandas and the gophers. Uh, they were pretty great. See, especially uh, they had a little cafe where you can actually eat and watch the pandas eat. That was actually kind of cool. Uh, one thing I want to mention how the city itself seems safe. I got lost several times but didn't mind. And the bicycle culture there is on another level. They have actual dedicated bike lanes. And it's really cool to see everyone biking to go to places. And because of this, and because of this, they're a lot fitter and healthier than people here. Like they don't need to drive everywhere. And one thing that was kind of cool was in July, the temperature was in the 60s and the sun didn't set until like after like 1030 at night. That was pretty cool. Uh, the Hotel Arthur, they the hotel was pretty good. The only complaint I had was they didn't have any air conditioning, which honestly would be solved with just opening your window. And the Nordic breakfast was fantastic. The bread was fresh. So were the meats, the cheeses. It was very relaxing. I basically spent an hour just relaxing outside, drinking my tea and coffee. And everybody was nice. And it was so simple. I had so much fun. Uh, with Tour de France, seeing everybody there, and the beer was really good. Now, when I after uh, in Copenhagen, I went on my cruise on the ship, the Norwegian Dawn, and I gotta say, the people in charge of entertainment were amazing. Uh, if you want to know their names, they were Camelia, Camilla, uh, Sarah, Elena, Troy, Brian, and Lika. And every day I danced. Every uh, whenever they had it, I did karaoke. I made a bunch of friends, uh, I had free alcohol, and with the prices on the drinks, that really helped, and I was part of a program, the Norwegian Plus stuff, so which meant I can get like a 90 or or $100 bottle of wine, and it'd be free. Did I do that? Once. That was it. I didn't even finish it, because I'm not that big of a wine drinker. If I had to, I'd probably get some sparkling white wine. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, basic. Anyway, um... One thing about the ship, it was older, but it did have class. Uh, my room was pretty good. It was a mini suite with a balcony, and it was cool seeing just going out there, just seeing the water just go by as the ship sailed. And I got to say, the ship basically chased the sun wherever we got, because it would be one in the morning, and you could still see the sun setting. Uh, I will say the ship did nine ports in 10 days, which is a lot, and I mean, even though it sounds exhausting, you didn't really feel it because you were always on the go. Uh, You were always somewhere. The ship definitely made it homey. And with the sun being out all the time, you're kind of like, okay, I have a lot more energy than I thought I did. 
I will say this, uh, the one thing that happened on the ship that was really funny was seeing how competitive the competitions were that they hosted and the trivia. Uh, There was this one where it was Battle of the Sexes, where it was the guys versus the girls, and it was rigged against the guys. There was one competition where it was freaking, hey, who can put the shoes fast enough, and everybody... Uh, except me and another person had on the guys team had like sneakers where you had to untie your shoes, tie them. The girls basically had flip flops. So you can tell who won that one. The other one was origami. I don't know how to make a paper plane. Really don't. They won that one. The ones where we should have won was, uh, they included the audience in this one. We had to make a bigger line than the girls. And to do this, to make sure we won, we took off all our, we took off our shirts to make the line bigger. And, uh, yeah, when we did this, uh, we didn't realize we were in the same area where the LGBTQ did their meetup. So we basically made a bunch of gay guys is night. So that was a positive thing. Uh, anyway, besides that, uh, the countries we went to were amazing. Uh, went to Estonia, Sweden, Lithuania, Finland, Germany, and Latvia. And out of all of them, Latvia was my favorite because of the ruins there. It was so cool uh, being at the state park, learning about the country, not the countries, the history, and a lot of the countries that invaded there. Yeah, the Baltics have been invaded a lot. I don't think there was a country next to them that wasn't invaded by either Russia, the Swedes, Germany, or whichever. And I'm talking about like pre-World War II. Anyway, uh, one thing that was interesting to learn was that a lot of the buildings, their agriculture was affected by whatever country was invaded and stayed at the time. One thing also I want to say is if you're going to travel and you have American Express, get ready for it not to be really accepted in the Baltics. Because out of all of them, maybe two places accepted American Express. Visa is most likely going to be your best bet and probably MasterCard. Those were the two I saw a lot more often. Uh, one thing also is a lot of the countries had some amazing stuff. I explored a witch's forest, which was full of statues of demons and witches. Uh, one thing that was in Lithuania. And if you go to Lithuania, bring bug spray because they are infested. Anyway, I did about extreme river rafting in Finland. And I was basically 80 miles from uh, Russia. Yeah, that close. They also had some huge horse flies that were the size of giant cockroaches. So that was another thing I didn't expect. Uh, One thing also is uh, we went to a horse farm and when in Germany, we actually went to a concentration camp, which was very powerful. Um, If I had the chance to travel more, I would definitely do that. Because honestly, and I, I love traveling and I encourage people to travel, see different cultures, see different stuff that they have to offer. Get out of the state you're in, go out and visit a different country. And please, I implore you, please research the laws of each country and don't do something stupid because honestly, Each country has their different laws and it doesn't matter if you have a prescription, if you're like, oh, but I'm able to do that here. Well, listen, that's not in the country. Just do your research, please. And for the love of God, don't listen to that one friend who's like, oh, yeah, I heard you can't do this here or do this here when they haven't been out of the country themselves. We have the Internet. We have evolved. Do your own research. Anyway. That's it for my trip for Europe. It was amazing. I definitely recommend people going to there. And it's just, I I honestly want to be back. If this podcast gets bigger, I can easily purchase some equipment to take you guys on the trip. Tell you exactly what I ate. Oh yeah, what I ate. Um, They had pierogies. Uh, I want to say, what was it? Finland or no, it was Estonia. One of the countries. Uh, they're basically, yeah, it was Lithuania. They had a bunch of potatoes, uh, that they were able to grow. So a lot of them were pierogies, uh, stuffed potatoes and all that stuff. That was basically their main food. And it was actually not that bad. Uh, A lot of the stuff is their pastries were a lot more fresher. I'm not a fan of like strawberry in cake, but I gotta say, I was impressed. It was very delicious. And the, uh, Latvia. They were bragging about their coffee and I had to try it. 
I'm, I still don't like coffee, but I mean, it was drinkable for me. But besides that, yeah, definitely would recommend traveling. And if you can, definitely travel far. Uh, the only place I haven't really traveled yet is Australia, which is on the bottom of my list. Uh, Africa and Asia. Uh, for Asia, I might do a cruise unless I know somebody in Japan. I might do that. Who knows? It's uh, lim- the sky's the limit and can't wait to see what happens. Anyway, uh, that's it for uh, my Europe trip going on to current events. Uh, one I want to talk about is Elden Ring. Elden Ring is apparently the best selling game of the year and it deserves that. It definitely does. It's a really, really great game, but super difficult as well. And it's one of those games where you can be cheering for the sky and the next minute basically throwing your controller at the wall, screaming why. Great game. Definitely deserves the hype. Anyway, uh, moving on, I definitely want to mention the protests and the strikes with the airlines and their employees. The reason why I'm also mentioning this is because I was affected by this. Because the, uh, during my cruise, they were responsible because of the package I got for uh, booking my flights to going from here to there and there back. And because of this, I they, they basically switched my uh, airlines like three to four times. Because of how many different airlines were going on strike. And a lot of these airports were understaffed. The wait times were absolutely ridiculous. I spent an... Honestly, in total, I want to say three hours in line. It was terrible. Just because, especially in Stockholm, they had a policy where you couldn't go in and check anything in until within three hours of your flight. And they had so many people online because of that rule. It was so dumb. Uh, anyway, uh, one thing I also uh, want to talk about is if you do end up needing to go somewhere, drive. Don't fly. If you have to fly, research if the airlines are in talks about going in strikes because your luggage may not make it with you. I was talking to somebody who was uh, who was on the cruise. They left two days after because they wanted to stay in uh, Sweden for a little bit and their luggage was still is still stuck in Sweden because of the whole processing stuff. It's nuts. So like I said, if you can just drive anyway, moving on. Uh, lastly, I want to talk about COVID. Yeah. COVID is making its way back in the area. And I know this because I have to go back to wearing masks. Uh, some places are having to wear the goggles again. And I hate the fact that COVID decides to pop up every few months, but, I'm bringing this up because I want people to stay safe. Please stay safe. Please social distance. Please uh, try your best to not catch COVID. Wear your masks if you need to, but stay safe, guys. Anyway, that's it for this week's episode, and I look forward to seeing you guys next week. This has been Fuente Chat with Johnny Fuente. See you later. Sayonara, and I'm glad to be back. Talk to you later, and have a blessed day.